Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship. And as we build our lives upon God's love as our only foundation, let's turn to God's word together. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 through 42 is our text for this morning. And this will conclude our uh, series on the 40 days of generosity. So Matthew 10, it's the first book of the New Testament. It's the first gospel. And uh, chapter 10, verses 40 through 42, we're, we're coming in right at the end of the chapter. And Matthew 10 as a whole is Jesus sending out the 12. He's equipping them. He's giving them final instructions. He's telling them what they're going to do and how they're going to do it and what to be aware of. And if you go back and read the whole chapter later, which I would encourage, uh, you'll notice that it starts out with this pretty high bar where Jesus tells them to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. That's a pretty high bar. He starts there. But then where we come to today is the conclusion, where we start out about healing people and raising the dead and cleansing those with leprosy. But where we focus today and where we end is giving a cup of cold water to those who are thirsty. So I invite you to um, read with me after we, um, after we read God's word together. We'll say, thanks be to God. And if you are grateful, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you are grateful, I invite you to respond by saying, thanks be to God. But before we come to God's word together, let's pray for God to open the scriptures to us. Lord, you tell us that your word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword and able to pierce as far as joint and marrow, judging the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Lord, as we finish this time of reflecting on generosity and coming to your word to be instructed on how and why to be generous. May you use your word by the power of your Holy Spirit to judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts, to correct our intentions, and ultimately to turn us into people who are like you, Jesus, who are generous in big ways and faithful in all of the small things, even so as to give a cup of cold water to one who is thirsty. Open the scriptures to us today, O God, for we, your servants, long for you. Amen. Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 40. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. And whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you that person will certainly not lose their reward. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will admit that often when I travel, if I'm going to be on a plane, um, I like to keep a low professional profile. What I mean by that is this. I, I definitely am that person on a plane who wants to strike up conversation with the person next to me. I don't believe in strangers. I only believe in friends that I haven't met yet. 
I am that person. And some of you who travel more, I know that you hate me um, for being that way. And that's okay. But you'd enjoy being next to me on a plane. Ask Rod Westfeld. Because um, I decided um, that when I went to Alaska in September, instead of trying to keep a low profile, well, because if, if you lead with that you're a pastor, if people know that right away, it makes things awkward. For some, it's really uncomfortable, and for some, it kind of creates this fake atmosphere um, where people ask maybe awkward or just kind of weird questions. Uh, my preference is to make a connection with someone, and then like when we're like halfway through the flight, and they're like, oh, so what do you do? And be like, I'm a pastor. And by that point, they've maybe used some inappropriate words or said some inappropriate things. And then they're like, oh, no, you're a pastor. It's like the worst possibility. Um, I can't use all the words, but there was a time where someone said, oh, no, you're a pastor. But she didn't say no. She said something else. But then it was like, I can't stop myself. Like, oh, man. But that was after the relationship and connection was already established. And so I enjoy those rich conversations. But I like to keep a low profile at first. Let's get to know each other. And then inevitably, by sharing that I am a minister of word and sacrament, we'll turn to religion then. But don't leave with that. There was something going on in my spirit in September when we were headed to Alaska, the group of us from North Holland who went following the youth group who went in July. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go for gusto. I'm going to go for conversation starters right away. Well, last year, it just so happens that I was given a, a shirt that fits well, it's comfortable, it's soft. And I decided to wear this shirt on my day of traveling from Grand Rapids to Minneapolis to Anchorage. And the shirt says this, I love God, but some of his children get on my nerves. <laughs> this shirt should come with a warning. Don't wear it unless you are ready for the conversations that it will start. And it's true, I love God, but some of his children get on my nerves. I say that as a pastor, but as a person. And you all, if you're being honest, would say the exact same thing. I love God, but some of his children get on my nerves. I knew this was going to be fun. When Caitlin and the kids dropped me off in Grand Rapids, I'm just proving if my mom's watching online that I can fold laundry. Um, I knew it was going to be fun when uh, the, the woman at Baggage Claim saw my shirt and immediately said, oh, honey, I love that shirt. And I was like, this is going to be great. And so I responded, and this became my one-line tagline, was, if you like the shirt, then you and I probably have a similar sense of humor. And the shirt just was the gift that kept on giving. When I got to Minneapolis... I had an empty stomach and time to kill. So I went to a restaurant in the airport. And while I was there, you know, I mean, walking through, people were like kind of trying to read the shirt, you know. I sit down and the server comes by and, you know, you can kind of see that like, I want to read that shirt, but I'm not going to be obvious about it. Like, can I pour the water glass without looking at it? Of course they can. They're servers. They do a good job at this. And you can see the little smirk and hear the little chuckle and then continued on and said, Hey, I like that shirt. Well, it was in Minneapolis at the airport restaurant where I had time to kill and friends to make that I ended up in conversation with two servers at the airport restaurant. 
and the shirt and some of it's just kind of honest, like, we love God, but boy, people as a whole, we are not perfect, right? We make mistakes and we cause harm on accident. And sometimes our worldview does not make us compassionate, which I think is where we miss the gospel. Between those two servers, I heard of some times in their life brought about by the conversation of the shirt when they were thirsty in their spirit. Their soul was thirsty, parched. And they had gone to the church and not received a cup of cold water, as Jesus says, but I would say metaphorically, they received salt water to choke on. When I hear a victim of domestic abuse share that their church, her church, blamed her for what had happened. When I hear of a woman whose parents were ill, one of them died, the siblings all abandoned, and she's left to take care of her living parent, pick up the bill for all of the hospital expenses, and take care of her child with special needs, and was repeatedly given an unwelcome, unassisted, unhelping response. I don't know the backgrounds of the churches they were at, and that's not the relevant point. The point is is that as a whole, there are times where people are thirsty, and the church gives them salt water. It does not quench your thirst. It makes it worse. And those are moments that you can't fix when you're at an airport, airport restaurant in Minneapolis. The best cup of cold water that you can give, that any of us could give in that moment, is to say, I am sorry. And not to defend or to explain away or to get awkward about it, but just say, I am sorry that that was your experience. Because that was their experience. I'm sorry. What was the impact on you as if that wasn't already shared, but to let people articulate their grief and to ask, you know, what, what could I give my word to that would make a difference? People are thirsty. In our earlier fall series, we talked about the deepest needs of the human heart are for connection and relationship and belonging and story. And, and we find that in Scripture and church and in the communion of saints. And I know full well that there is compassion and generosity and love in this place, that this communion of saints has cared for each other And that even this week, with updates on the decriters, there is a yearning to find a way to give a cup of cold water to those who are thirsty. Because we all go through times in life where our souls are parched. And we need some love, some encouragement, some generous kindness. And yet, we can't take responsibility. Well, we can take responsibility. We can't change. We can't prevent some errors in witness that happen. And that hurts. Because your best efforts can be undone so quickly by one negative experience that turns people away and gives them all the ammunition to say, those church people. The young 20s man who was bussing tables um, was running back and forth a little bit more, so he didn't get into quite as much depth as the other two servers. Um, but he did have some advice because after talking with these two servers for a while, because, I mean, the shirt, they just thought I was a funny person. Um, and I think I am a funny person. Um, I was told I was a funny person a lot. I don't think it was always kind, but it's true. 
But the, uh, the, the, um, the guy bussing tables said, he's like, oh, you know, um, he was actually the one who made the accidental ask of, oh, so do you go to church? And I was like, yeah, most Sundays. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do when you're not at church? I'm always at church. Um, I live on church property. Um, said, oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, no! Here we are kind of, you know, being critical of your people. And I was like, that's okay. I mean, that's not my congregation, but yeah, all of us as a communion of saints, the best of Christian witness and the worst failures all get lumped together. And this is why being a Christian today can be hard because it's like we're doing damage control for things we didn't even do. Well, the busboy had one of the best suggestions though. He didn't get into as much of his life story, but he's like, hey, can you tell your people as if I'm speaking to all people of faith. Can you tell your people that when they leave me a Bible verse to look up on their receipt but don't leave a tip, that I have no interest in looking up the Bible verse? I was like, I don't think I would either. And we had a good conversation, but there is a jadedness because his perception of Christians is that they are the least generous people. Now, granted, there are probably a lot of Christians who have gone through that restaurant and tipped well, but they haven't been self-identified as people of faith, as followers of Jesus. And so his examples are those who leave a Bible verse for him to look up, but they don't leave a tip. And that's the taste of salt water left in his mouth we could go through and explain that, you know, there's the perishable and the imperishable. If we read 1 Corinthians, we could go through that back and forth of the perishable and imperishable, and we as people of faith can understand that the perishable is less important than the imperishable. So giving someone eternal truth is important and significant. But if we faithfully read 1 Corinthians and all that is the discussion of perishable and imperishable, then we as Christians should know best of anyone that we can't take our stuff with us, we can't take our money with us, so why would we not be the most generous people? Because we're not holding on to the perishable. We can give a good tip because what we're holding on to is the imperishable. And if we want an audience with people to share with them the imperishable truth of the love of Jesus, the gospel of good news, the forgiveness of sins, the promise of eternal life, of peace on earth, your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, then we can give of the perishable first to prove that our care is for the imperishable. Now, if you ever do go to an airport restaurant in Minneapolis, I'm also going to warn you, if you use that old smart aleck line about God only gets 10%, why should you get 15? Also, salt water in the taste of many service people. I said, well... I know that one. And for one, isn't gratuity actually 18 or 20% now? And in a post-pandemic world, when everybody's short-staffed and labor shortage, maybe we should just give 20% to people who are at work to reward them, even though the service is going to be slow because the people who are there are doing the best they're trying to do. So they should be blessed. And we, as people who hold on to the imperishable, should find it pretty easy to part with the perishable. What's an extra $3.60? I have no idea what that would make my bill or what percentage of increase it is, but I know Tim and Chuck and a few others are counting it up. But, but friends, 
I did arm the, um, th at least three people, and I think they might have spread it around. If you ever get that question, if God only gets 10%, why would you get more than that? I gave them a reading of Psalm 50 and a response. It is in Psalm 50 that we are told, the Lord says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. So I told the busser, I was like, hey, you know what? If someone does give you that line, you tell them, the Lord already owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he doesn't have to make rent by next week, Thursday. Don't do that to people. Yet, if we wear a shirt that starts conversations, we come across a lot of stories of hurt and pain. When people went to us, the church, people who follow Jesus, and they got salt water instead of a cup of cold water in their moment of thirst. How do we move forward faithfully and well? I think of most importance and throughout this series is that we are people who choose to be generous and who live a lifestyle of generosity. That, that our reputation as a whole is not of being the holdouts or the stingy, but of the generous, of the compassionate, of people who exude the fruit of the Spirit who even your server who is bringing your food back and forth from the understaffed kitchen can know that you are a person of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That we are people who part with the perishable to bless, to be abundant, to say thanks be to God for what I have, that I can be generous not with what I wish I had, but that I can be generous with what I have already. For all of us have a capacity to be generous. Not with what we wish we had. We would be generous if, but generous with what we have. And all of us have the capacity to give a cup of cold water to those who are thirsty. Now, the earlier part of the chapter is intimidating. Raise the dead, heal the sick? I don't know. But I do know that each of us can give a cup of cold water to those who are thirsty. And I'm not just talking about physical water. There are all kinds of thirsts in our world today. People are thirsty, and they need something to drink. They need a cup of cold water. There is the thirst that comes from loneliness. There is the thirst that comes from overwhelming pain. There is the thirst that comes from grief. There is the thirst that comes from from isolation or uncertainty. There is the thirst that comes from low self-esteem. There is the thirst that comes from anxiety or depression. There is the thirst of broken relationships. All of these create a thirst within us that we need a communion of saints to surround us and to give us a cup of cold water to drink in our moment of thirst. Maybe it is literally a cup of cold water, although we don't live in a desert and we live near a large body of fresh water. But it might be an apology, without defensiveness, but an apology of saying, I'm sorry that that happened to you. And not shut it down, but say, what was the impact on you? Let people talk a little more. To give our word to what we can. The thirst might be to call someone that you won't even see this Thanksgiving, 
maybe a family member who treats COVID differently than you, and that's why you're not going to see each other. And to not throw salt water at anybody for anything. Maybe our thirst can be met when someone says, I have time for you. And for all of us, the spiritual discipline of a busy person is to be busy with the right things. And the right thing is to be diligent in following Jesus and giving a cup of cold water to those who are thirsty along the way. And I don't think Jesus asks us to do the impossible, in part because all things are possible with God, so Jesus can always circumvent our excuses. Go back to the feeding of the 5,000 for a quick lesson. But also, Jesus told us in John 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, it would be a abuse of this verse to say that you never have to drink water again. That's not what Jesus meant. This is a metaphor. This is not a literal instruction. You will be physically thirsty. But the life of Christ within us will not leave us thirsty, but will bring a wellspring of life within us, living in step with God. And I believe that this would make us generous, that this will give us a fountain of life within us, that when someone needs a cup of cold water, when someone needs our time, our attention, our encouragement, our love, our support, that we have a wellspring of life that is Christ within us to give a cup of cold water from. We live in a world of addictions, and addictions in the 21st century are more available in some ways than they've ever been before. You might carry your addictions in your pocket. You might keep your addictions in a high shelf somewhere. You might keep your addictions in the snack drawer. There's all different types of addictions that we can struggle with. But where do they come from? In part, I think we're all created with some kind of weakness. But I think our human nature, our addictions come from the times when we are thirsty and no one could give us a cup of cold water to drink. And so we carry that pain and we seek to numb it. We seek to distance ourselves from it. We want anything to make ourselves feel a little bit better. But the addictions never satisfy. It's just one more form of salt water. We are people who will never be thirsty if we have Christ within us, that we can have our needs met. And when we surround ourselves with the communion of saints, the church, we could say, when I am thirsty, I know who to go to, who will come alongside of me, that I don't need to numb my pain, but I can find someone who will sit with me and hear my pain, or just sit with me. When I need help, I can swallow my pride and we can be addicted to our pride and know who I can ask for help from. When I am in need of a ride or assistance, a listening ear, it should be the church. And this is all true, and this is the witness, the body of Christ. And it is all true alongside of the sentiment that we love God, but sometimes some of his children will get on our nerves. And in humility, we might know full well that sometimes we are the person who's on someone else's nerves. Granted, all the same, we are people of cold water. Not lukewarm, 
hot or cold, from Revelation, but people who give a cold water to those on the hard roads of life. Is this not part of the harvest feast that we look forward to? Is it the food? Yes. Is it also connection, relationship, and belonging? Absolutely. Last year, doing the driveway carport thing, was that not also just a reminder that we still care? That we know that for some people this is their Thanksgiving meal, and we say, we still see you, and we'll still meet you. Is this not generous on behalf of the church? Generosity can abound in all kinds of different ways. But first, we have to pay attention, and we have to see people who are thirsty, to notice them, and to take it upon ourselves that that might be our person to give something to drink to. I think we can't do damage control for all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we can choose to show up in ways that matter, in ways that we can be helpful, and in ways that we can say we have a cup of cold water to drink because Christ has been abundantly generous with us, and so we choose a life of abundant generosity. And as we kind of wrap up a sermon series, because next week is the beginning of Advent. Christmas songs, First Communion. If we hear all these things about generosity, and maybe we read every single day out of the devotional, we caught every sermon. And if it's all just an intellectual exercise, like, oh yes, generosity sounds like a good way to live. Oh yes, that's a good idea. If it's all in intellect, then it doesn't really matter. It is a do or do not kind of thing. And it's not about trying to cleanse people with leprosy. It's about giving a cup of cold water. It's not about what we can do that's fantastic and big. But the final calling is to do something faithful, even if it is small. That we can agree that we should maybe tithe, but that's hard. Well, start small that we can notice the needs around us, but we can't fix them all. We'll start small. Because even one who gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you that person will certainly not lose their reward. Not everyone who welcomes a prophet becomes a prophet, but everyone who gives a cup of cold water will not lose their reward And it's not about works righteousness in the first place. But the reward is the gift of knowing that Christ within us will give us life. And from the life that we have, we can give generously to others in all kinds of different ways. We won't always get it right. We'll learn along the way with some humility. And sometimes people will get on our nerves because we're human. But friends, we are people who follow Jesus. People who are are willing and able and generously eager to give a cup of cold water to those who are thirsty. Let's pray. God, give us eyes to see and hearts to love our neighbors around us. Help us to see those who are thirsty 
And by your Holy Spirit, help us to discern how do we attend to their thirst? To not leave it for someone else, but to see what we can do with what we have. And may you bless us as we try. May you bless us as we fail. May you bless us as we learn that we may continue in faithfulness to be people of cold water now and forever. Amen.